the commissions are, are, that they support and give you a sense of things that are, that are coming your way uh, well, well in advance. And so George tonight is going gonna, is gonna to do that. He's going to do the planning update, and then he'll introduce uh, Jeremy Sharp, who, um, you know, we're a year into the new zoning ordinance. So we'll thought you'd have a chance to, to talk about that. And we've had some concerns uh, expressed to council of, of impacts of that on development and give you a chance to hear from George kind of what our numbers look like. And, um, and I think I've told you all as a group, I'd say it publicly, that, um, uh, you know, in last year's budget, in an effort to be more efficient, uh, we made some uh, some cuts to the planning department, frankly, at a time when we probably should have been adding people, right? And uh, you all heard it before we did. We heard it pretty quickly in the in the summer, and so we fixed that. Got some folks. It took us a little while to get there, but I think we I think we fixed that piece. But candidly, uh, that's on me. We were uh, we were understaffed as we were rolling this thing out in, high, in hindsight. So we think we fixed that. And, and George and uh, Jeremy will talk to you a little bit about that. And then you all asked for. Uh, an update on the, uh, the census, the 2020 census, and Janice Hurley will step forward and give you an update and tell you where we are and what um, we'll ask you all to do in terms of standing up the committee um, at the end of this month. And then also, uh, at y'all's request, a couple of uh, economic development updates. Uh, I think it was Mr. Schmeagle who had asked for an update on IKEA and the Outlet Mall, and I think you saw an article in the paper probably about IKEA. But yeah, they won't we'll be And uh, they begged us. To, we actually weren't going to tell you the date tonight because they asked us not to tell you. Uh, but you read that in the paper, and Jared will uh, talk to you about that. And then um, a lot of um, um, urging from, from council to uh, provide assistance to small businesses. And... Um, uh, Sean Washington, uh, business development manager from uh, the Economic Development Office, is going to talk to you about some programs that we're rolling out uh, that we think start to address some of the issues. I think Mr. Strapper, Mr. Schmigel talked about the facade loans. Heard Mr. Doyle talked about support for small business, and we think we've got some really interesting programs that start to, to meet that. And then we're going to ask you to make a, a, a uh, an amendment to your technology zone, and uh, really just to be able to help uh, existing businesses. And so Jared's going to come back and talk to you. Uh, about that and uh, then give an opportunity for you all to talk about things that are on your mind and then we'll have a closed session uh, to talk about a couple of um, real estate items. So that's uh, that's your agenda. Um, with that, I would ask Ms. Dancer to come forward and present the 2019 annual audit. Just before we get started, yes, sir. have we had any overtures or statements from EBMS about the culture today versus the culture that's created all the havoc up in Richmond. Uh, Have they sent us any assurances that those, you know? Yeah, what, what, I, what I know I've seen in, in the newspaper where, where you saw the, the article, I think it was this morning, maybe it was yesterday, where, where Dr. Homan talked about uh, coming in in 2013, uh, frankly, hiring, I'll get the name wrong, but hiring an inclusivity and diversity officer, I think was a, a title, something like that. See it? Say, say it again. Uh, thank you. And um, seeing some things, frankly, about the, uh, the yearbook program and, and uh, what they didn't like what they were seeing and stopped that program completely, stopped that. Pro but uh, that's what I know is, frankly, what I've read in the paper. Okay. At a press conference, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Great. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor, City Council, City Manager. I am standing before you to present the 2019 Annual Audit Plan. <coughs> Kim will forward it if you like. Yes, yeah, she can forward it. <laughs> First, um, the agenda, we have, we'll present the purpose of the Annual Audit Plan, our current organizational chart, 
the development, how we come about developing the audit plan, audit phases, the 2018 care for audits in progress, the list of 2019 proposed audits and other projects that our office um, performed throughout the year. First, the purpose of the annual audit plan, it establishes the framework for the audits to be conducted. It guides our audit activities and workflow of the city auditor's office, and it outlines area of audit focus for the next 12-month period. I, um, when I took position as interim, I did a little restructuring so we can be a little more efficient, efficient in how we uh, approach our projects because we have the fraud, waste, and abuse hotline and we have audit services. So what I did, I divided the staff between audit services and investigative services. And as you can see on the organizational chart, you, I have a deputy over each service and two auditors assigned to each deputy. Right now, the special review person that position is vacant, but that person will be assigned um, directly to me. In order to develop the audit plan, we use several sources. We use audit leads, and these audit leads come from prior audits, investigation, inquiries, complaints, or the city financial audit. And then we use, also we use um, internal sources, the city auditor staff. Um, we're gonna do uh, internal, risk, internal control risk assessment. We also use external source citizens, current events, trends, other localities, state and federal audits that were conducted that may, um, we may have some of the same concerns or issues, hotline complaints, city council priorities, uh, specific requests, management concerns such as city administration, city de departments, and city agencies. In order to conduct an audit, we have several phases in accordance to the government auditor standards. We have a planning phase, and those, these are the events that occur during the planning phase. We have an interest conference. We conduct walkthroughs of the process. We hold interviews, and we establish our test objectives. Once we establish our text object, test, test objectives, we move to the fieldwork phase, which is detailed testing. We gather evidence, evaluate the evidence, and develop our audit findings. Once we develop our audit findings, we move to the reporting phase, where we issue a draft report to the um, auditee and we request management responses. We have an exit conference where we discuss the management responses, and then we issue the final report. So that um, brings me to the FY18 carry for the audits in progress. I discussed the phases so you'll understand where we are as we carry forward these audits from last fiscal year. We had the fleet maintenance contract audit, we are in the final report phase, and we have our exit conference scheduled to discuss the management responses. We're, in, we're um, still conducting the audit of public libraries. We're in the draft report phase. The auditor is working on the draft report. It has re been reviewed by, managed by the deputy and waiting on my review, and then we'll issue it to management. Citywide maintenance, we still in field work phase, still doing some detailed testing in that area. 
and the community block development grant, we're in the planning phase because we just got started on that. So here's a list of the proposed audits areas for 2019. I had to change it because of the transition. I changed it from fiscal year to calendar year. So now I'll be presenting this every calendar year versus fiscal year because we're so far into fiscal year 19. So we're going to, uh, we're proposing to audit temporary employment services, retirement, stormwater operations, fire and rescue collection processes, and follow-up reviews of audits and investigation recommendations that we've issued for the last maybe three years. Other projects that um, we do in our office, of course, we manage and administer the Fraud, Waste, and Abuse Hotline. We administer the external audit contract. We're, this is new for us, but we're going to um, administer the health care claims contingency audit, citywide internal control assessment, the missing, lost, and stolen property database, and we're going to do review of disbursements, credit card transactions, management, or any special requests by management or council, cash counts, and other city agency requests. That ends my presentation. Mr. Smeagle, the fraud, waste, and abuse hotline, I know recently there were some concerns about um, previous calls that have come in and they were not handled. Have you guys been able to go back and look at some of those complaints that have come in and to see where they are at this point? Yeah, when I came in, I did an assessment of where we were um, at the time. I, I took the position, and a lot of them we addressed, and a lot of them we closed. Some of them were substantiated. Some of them were referred not to internal departments, but to hum human resources, which, a, which would be an external agency from the department where we received the complaint. So, but, um, so they're pretty much up to date now? They're up to date now, but we're, we're bombarded. We're bombarded. Today we have, I think, over 40 so far for FY19, 40 cases that we're looking at. Okay. How many would you say is your substantiated claim? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the deputy. 50-50. Um, yeah, and we, we're, we're now going into a deeper level of detail than previously. Um, because we're seeing some reoccurring complaints. So, and w we took the position that if it's reoccurring, it has to be a problem. So we're taking our time and, and, and digging in at a deeper level than before. Are there other questions for Ms. Johnson? Yes, Ms. Johnson. For the temporary <coughs> employment, what are you looking for in the temporary employment? Are you looking for how long um, persons have been temporarily employed by the city of Norfolk versus um, if we hired them um, part-time or, or, or full-time and what would be the cost to us? Yeah, we're going to do a cost-benefit cost analysis. We're going to look at what we're currently paying these contractors to employ temporary services through their agency versus what would we be paying them as a salary employee. Um, we would try to include the benefits, but I don't know um, if we can capture what the benefit rate per employee, but we'll see how, 
how we can make the analysis um, uh, reliable. And you will report also how long the, um, mm -hmm. they've been on this temporary status. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the city departments expressed concerns about the employees being on a status of um, temporary for five, four or five years. So, yes, we will look at it. And, and also that with some of the employ, employees being on temporary um, status, um, that there are positions that are open and that they've been on this temporary um, status anywhere from three to five years. Right. Any other questions? Thank you. Okay, thank you, Mr. Hey, right, George. So as I said earlier, George Homewood's going to come up and talk to you about, uh, give you an update but the things that are headed your way uh, from a planning perspective, and we'll do this for every first Tuesday. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Manager, members of council, um, thank you for this opportunity to, to talk to you all this evening. Um, let's see if we can make sure this works. There we go. Um, so what I want to do this evening is, first of all, um, talk to you about the sources of information that we already give you. Um, and this is, while I'm going to kind of go over it, I'm really asking a question, which is, is there something we can do better? Is there a way that we can give you the information um, that is more digestible um, and, and pops out to you all in a, in a way that, that is more helpful to you. Because that's, you know, an awful lot of the information we, we produce, and we're producing to help you all. Um, and so uh, we want it to be as, as helpful as possible. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about some hot topics. And um, I will tell you, I am not the subject matter, on, uh, subject matter expert on some of these hot topics, uh, but we do have our, we have a lot of the staff here. Um, so if you've got questions, um, they'll be able to, to answer them. Um, and, and I've said this before, and I want to make sure I say it publicly, and that's we have by far the best staff of any planning agency anywhere in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, these folks, you, they, you cannot just be good and work for us. You have to be somewhere between excellent and perfect, um, and every one of these people are. So I, I, you know, I hope you will take an opportunity to, to get to know some of these people. Um, and then finally, we're going to talk about some of the things that um, are, we're working on that are a little longer range. Um, that are going to come to you um, over the next six months to, to 12 months. So first of all, here's the stuff that you already get from us. You get, an, uh, there's an agenda. Um, you all know that there is the um, agenda um, part of the website, and our agendas are, are there. You can sign up for it if you haven't already um, to receive copies of our agendas um, every time we post them and every time we post a, a change to it. Um, second of all, we produce the pending land use report. And it's generally produced twice a month. Um, you all get it in on your Friday afternoon uh, package from Kim. And um, it has in it everything that we've received in planning, in the envi environmental, um, all the site plans we've approved. It does not have all the building permits because that becomes a really long list. Uh, but it does have everything that's come in for a conditional use permit, a rezoning, a wetlands permit, a Board of Zoning Appeals application, any of those kinds of things are on it. That doesn't mean that any of those things will get to you. Many things drop off, but the, these are things that have been submitted to us. 
that up for this information as well, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so when it says um, that the staff reports are posted later, do those individuals who have signed up get an email notification of some sort that new information has been posted to XYZ file? I believe that that does happen. Now, having said that, you know, we're moving to this online agenda management system, and um, I'm kind of looking at Alan um, at the end of the table. I do think there are going to be some changes um, that that system is going to produce for both, you know, the planning commission agendas as well as for y'alls. Um, but for now, at least, um, if there's changes, um, there's a notice that goes out to the people who have signed up. Okay, thank you. Um, the city manager sends you out a weekly update, um, and in that he gives you a, a pending list of all the stuff that is um, out there that is on and has been put on an agenda. Um, now those, so these are things that may be a little further along in the process than what you find on the pending land use report. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that all of them are going to eventually make it to you. Um, a lot of the things don't actually have to come to you, and then there's things that fall by the wayside um, during the process um, and, and what have you. Um, so just letting you know that, that the planning department, um, and, and we won't go through that ever again um, unless you want to talk about it um, or any one of those items. The planning Commission supports um, four different boards and commissions um, as well as providing um, support to City Council. Uh, the Planning Commission, the Architecture Review Board, uh, the Wetlands Board and the Board of Zoning Appeals. Um, you don't hear much about the Board of Zoning Appeals because it's a quasi-judicial um, entity. Its members are not appointed by y'all, but they're appointed by the Circuit Court. Um, and um, things that, that go to the Board of Zoning Appeals um, do not come to, to City Council. Um, you don't hear a whole lot about the Wetlands Board other than that you appoint the members. Um, and things that go to the Wetlands Board um, if there's an appeal and people don't like the answer, it goes to the state, it goes to the Virginia Marine Resources Commission, it does not come to you all. Um, you hear more about the Architectural Review Board because a lot of things um, that go to the Architectural Review Board come to y'all and on occasion y'all don't like something you're seeing and you send it to the Architectural Review Board um, for the ARB to provide some, some input uh, before you all take action. Um, you do hear an awful lot about the Planning Commission. In fact, you know, most of your meetings, um, there is at least one item that has come to you from the Planning Commission, and there are some meetings where the Planning Commission items dominate your agenda. Um, so um, we have gotten to the point where we're less than two months from the time that something is submitted, an application comes in, to the time it's heard by y'all. Um, that, um, that, that is lightning speed. Um, in Hampton Roads. We are by far the fastest in Hampton Roads. Um, Jeremy will talk to you a, a little bit more about some of the things in the new zoning ordinance, but that is very, very quick. Um, there are some, not necessarily in Hampton Roads, but there's some localities where um, it's years before things get to um, the governing body. Um, in our case, we've got it down to a couple of months. Uh, that, of course, assumes that there aren't any hiccups that, that occur along the way, but um, for the most part, we're moving things at two months or faster. So uh, I appreciate the planning staff always sends me copies of an application when they're submitted, and that gives us a heads up that something could be 
brewing in the community or um, you know preparing the Civic League or if there's a Civic League there that maybe doesn't have such an active president that's not checking their email, we can then send it to the secretary who will make sure that it gets out to everybody. So we, we I think we understand that that's great. And I, I do think that the process is quick with some things. I'm just curious about, and Doug and I have discussed this before, so somebody submits an application and apparently there's a committee that the proposer can go before that has city staff that sits around a table and kind of picks apart um, the project and that's where my concern comes in. That's where anytime I've, I've talked to Doug about this has been that there seems to be multiple layers of those meetings um, in which there's di different information that may be provided to the developer um, or not enough information and then another city staff person later on in the process comes back to that person and tells them you need to do X, Y, and Z and they're saying well we've been meeting for three months uh, with this other committee and that nobody ever brought that up and now this staff person who may not have been part of that committee meeting and I don't know, I, Angela, you're shaking your head, but I, I think I'm not the only one that's heard this. So I think that's probably where my concern is, not the communication piece. I think you guys do an awesome job in getting that out to the community. It's what happens after that gets to the community. People are waiting and waiting and waiting for this to come, and they feel like there's a disconnected communication among departments. Um, and most of it seems to be more on the public works side of it um, with additional needs with sidewalks or curbing or sewer and things like that that were not initially discussed. So I don't know if maybe there's this is the time to talk about that yeah, process. It's, it's a, I want to know a, what yeah, that yeah. team is and what where the disconnect is between there and that's what makes the 58 days go a lot longer, George. Uh, that's where people have, I think, challenged or questioned it. So why don't, two things, why don't you talk about the, just the process when something comes in and how your staff looks at it, because frankly the intent is to do exactly the opposite, which is get folks in a room and, and give some early feedback so that you don't have some things to drag out. So we'll talk about that. And then I think this group's also had a lot of conversation about uh, we do put um, requirements on developers to put certain infrastructure in at, at different times. So I think, if you, I think those are the two questions in there. Sure. Um, so let, let me start by saying that there's two paths that things go go down. So there is the the um, the path, the legislative process, which are the things that have to go to a planning commission and and ultimately, in, in most cases, come to y'all. Um, that's what I was talking about in the 58 days. Um, what you're talking about is the um, the administrative process, the site, primarily the site plan review process, um, and um, I. I I would like to be able to say you've mischaracterized it. Unfortunately, I can't. Um, the, uh, the, the issues with the administrative process um, are, are they're, they're legion, um, and, and many of it is exactly as you've said. We coordinate the process in planning, but um, other departments all have a role to play. Planning is the only department that has a has staff that's absolutely dedicated to running the site plan process. Every other department, you've got one or two people who have to try to shoehorn that in among 25 or 30 other things that they're responsible for um, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. 
Um, and so while we can send it out, um, the other folks that are doing the reviews, they've got other things that they're responsible for. And so there's some period of time that, that elapses in getting the responses back. More concerning is exactly what you say, and that is that you get an answer, you go back, you make the changes, you come back, you, you, you hand it back in, and now you get a slightly different answer than the one you got the first time. Um, sometimes that's because um, you changed something over here, which now means that that over here has to change. Um, that's particularly true in stormwater. Um, you know, water flows where water flows, and if you change something over here and create a, a, a change the volume here, that may require a change over here from what was originally being discussed. So that's, that's an issue. Um, you know, quite frankly, the other thing is sometimes it, you know, one time you have one person looking at it, and the next time you have a different person looking at it. And these people, you know, individual people key on different things. They're all the rules, the rules are in the rule book, um, but there's, you know, every umpire has a slightly different strike zone, and that's kind of the problem we have with some of these things that say, this is the way things it's supposed to be, but there is a certain way amount of flexibility. And I wish I could tell you that that will never happen, I but I will tell you that I and all of the department heads, we get together um, at least every other week, and we're trying to figure out how to make this process not only faster, but more importantly, more predictable. So that you know what, you've got a pretty good answer, idea of what the answer is before you walk in the door. The third thing that I will mention, um, and that is that there's a, a, the issue of timing. Um, what the, the analysis we've done shows that we do a pretty decent job of turning stuff around and meeting the deadlines that we establish. Um, but where the large time takes place is from the time we submit comments back to the developer's architect or engineer and the time they get them back to us. And as you know from our conversations about a particular hamburger restaurant on, on Little Creek, when the developer insists on using an engineering firm out of North Carolina um, and, and just gets hard-headed and says, no, that, that's not the rule, well, yes, it is the rule. Well, no, it's not the rule. And, and back and forth, a lot of time can be wasted um, that otherwise we could have been having milkshakes. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the honesty on this because I think I think we're almost there. I, I think that that customer service piece, if we could figure that out, that's where Norfolk unfortunately has a bad reputation among developers in that process. And I, I've explained to a lot of people too, we, we switched the process as well. So a lot of the stuff that uh, now takes a year to work out was being done before, and then it was the project would be announced. Now we're announcing the project, and then we're working through all the pieces of it, and you do get sometimes, as George said, with the hamburger place, somebody who just fights and it delays and everybody's excited about that hamburger place coming in and they're like, it's taken two years for it to get here. Um, you know, and, and fortunately, yes, some people get excited about hamburger <laughs> places, Andrew. This is a joke for Twitter. I like locally owned hamburger locally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if, um, Doug, if when, when, at our retreat, if it is a staffing issue 
Um, I know that there were some vacancy, there were some cuts made in some departments that may have slowed down some of the process because it added some, um, you know, does uh, Frida need an assistant too? I mean, that woman has worked to death and I know she loves what she did, but just, do we need another Frida in the city to help make these things go fast? I mean, you can't make another Frida because she's that good, but I'm just saying like, what do we need to do to help make this process uh, a little bit smoother? I, I know economic development, you guys have a service where you have a, one of your staff members that kind of walks somebody through, but then I don't know how effective they can be if it's still sitting on the desk of somebody who just hasn't gotten to it yet. Yeah, a, a couple of comments. I think you've got, uh, what to do is exactly what you're doing now, which is um, kind of raise the issue. Um, candidly, you all hear some things oftentimes before we do when, when there's a problem. And y'all are pretty good about calling us and sharing that. And, um, and we're trying to get, and we try to get better. I think we, as I said in the beginning, I think we cut too thin in planning last spring. And we paid a price for that in a, basically last summer, early fall. I think we've gotten that piece fixed. Uh, I feel pretty good about where we are with the others. Um, I, I don't really want to get you all in the weeds of kind of how we're doing these things um, or um, uh, in terms of the amount of personnel and those sorts of things. Uh, I think um, these guys have put customer service as a real priority. You just got to let, when you're hearing a problem, let us know. Uh, I think we've made some changes that will make a difference. But this is a, this is a constant it doesn't matter whether you're in Norfolk or Portsmouth or Virginia Beach or Richmond. This is a constant struggle in, in local government because you're always going to be a little bit thin and getting that expertise. And, and as soon as you get, you know, somebody in place is doing really, really well, some other locality pays them and hires them as their planning director, as an example. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just as an example, I, I know I, I didn't get an opportunity to send this to you, but um, the rallies on Little Creek Road, if, if somebody could go back and trace how that all started, mm -hmm. that may be a good example because the, the owner that's putting that in there, basically in the email he sent me, said he will refuse to do business in Norfolk ever again over how he was treated um, and the process and just unknowns. But that, and I'm just being honest, yeah, I think no. we need to be honest about this. And he said he's been able to build one in um, Suffolk and in Hampton in less amount of time than what it's even taken to get through that. And I, I think. That's, you know, just an example. Maybe we can go back and look at some of those. Um, you know, we're running into some problems as well with the um, uh, uh, Hyonis project over by the old surf rider and um, just permitting and what one permit, permitting officer in the agency said in our city told him, uh, the architect to move on, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I can't do this, and I got you've got to now do X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's, um, you know, if we can do some case studies maybe and figure out where those gaps are that maybe we could, I don't know, we could help during budget time even. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. So, uh, Ms. Ms. Doyle, then Ms. Graves. George, thanks again for the honesty. I think Tommy hit it on the head. It's great that you're just being very transparent because frankly, as recent as yesterday, I was hearing from a developer about the challenges. Have you done an audit of applications in queue to know how long they have been in queue so that you know which ones you really need to target to shorten out why they have been in queue so long that's just one way to look at it yeah so so we're working on it and again it's it's you have the, the ones that we move through the queue pretty quickly are the ones that that come to y'all um, because there's there's deadlines that that have to be met um, the next batch are the ones that um, are through the site plan process I we're, we're currently doing that audit 
What we have found in previous audits, though, is that, as I was trying to, to say gently, is the, the greatest amount of time is the, in that process is taken up in the time where it's back in the hands of the architect and engineer for the, the landowner and developer, not on the, the city side. Um, so the city review is shorter than the time it takes the A&E firms to make the changes and resubmit. Right. That. Right. You could point out when you're doing your work, when they're doing theirs, but I think if you did that, you would have a good sense of how long are some of these projects in the queue and who's, who's been lingering and how do we move those forward or get them out of the way. And then, the, you know, the third one is the, the whole, all the building permits. Um, and quite <coughs> frankly, we have, we, we have been behind in, in getting the building permits reviewed. We, we've just, we've got, a, we've got a turnover problem, um, and, you know, we can talk about why that is at, at some other time, but um, so we've been... You know, we are working really diligently to try to, to get it, but we have we have fallen off of our goals um, of, of turning things around as in, within a week to, to two weeks. So. Ms. Graves. Um, I just want to say, I think that, going back to what Tommy said about the length of time, what comes across to me is that city staff doesn't appreciate that time is money. And so when it takes time on the city side, that interest rates change, financing changes, all those things change that cost the builder money. And the builders are not just sitting, or the developers, and they're just not really sitting on a pile of money with money to burn um, in these projects. And so that, I would, I would like it if in working through that, however we identify where the problems are, but that's what it's, it, the, thing that comes across sometimes is, you know, city staff, they're going to get paid anyway, whether they work on my project or not, it doesn't really matter, but, you know, a delay of two or three or four weeks or two or three or four months costs me, me being a developer or the builder, money, and, or it costs me interest rate, or it costs me negotiating the terms, and um, that's one of the things that I hear a lot as well. Now, I will say that I can agree that some of that is on the builder side, and that's probably the side they don't tell us. But we need to just have, <laughs> you know, I just think there just needs to be um, a healthy um, balance. And in that, and then my other question, in that audit that you're doing in your department, you're working with the auditor? No, no, we're, no we're, we're, we're doing our, <clears throat> we're, we're massaging all of our data to figure out, you know, that when it came in the door, when we got comments back out the door, how long it took from the time we get comments out to the time we get a resubmission to the time that we get comments back out, that's the kind of, of process that we're, we're working on. So maybe like an, out, an outside of your department set of eyes with the auditor might be appropriate? Because yeah, we can talk about that. It's, it's, it, you got to know planning, right? And, so, right. A, a, and a couple things. So uh, uh, just to... Um, uh, one of the mantras we use to get to your point is time kills deals, right? So we talk about that a lot. So so that's important. Also, I know y'all know this, but it bears saying, uh, the folks that when it goes smoothly, y'all don't usually get called, right? So just remind, just kind of remember that uh, you're getting what I would argue are the exceptions and um, and not the rule in terms of how folks uh, move through the system. And we are, it, it is a con you know, constant effort to, to, to improve, but, but we hear you and uh, we'll continue to get better. And I hear there's a change in the Change in the what? Narrow lot program. 
Yeah. We have to ask George about that. Darryl, <laughs> do you want something a little bit different over there? We are. Hopefully, is in a direction that, that you will appreciate. Hi, right, George. Um, Ms. McClelland and Mr. Thomas. Hi, George. Um, E-filing, e electronic filing. That was a system you all went to a year or two ago. Is that complete? What's the status of that? Is that helping, hurting, or is that, by the look of your face, just a nightmare? It is a total nightmare. Um, I think we are probably about two to three months away from finally being able to go live. Um, it has been, I, I mean, we, we, we signed a contract. Um, our, our city attorney has had to spend considerable amount of time explaining to the vendor what the meaning of a contract is that they actually have to produce. Um, and, you know, our IT people have been struggling to, to help the vendor understand what the systems are that we have that, that they have to interface with. Um, but I think we're very, very close at this point. They, they, it's being tested right now. But three years behind schedule. Will that ultimately help with some of these customer service, transparency, communication issues? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean, to, to, to Mr. Smith's point, um, you know, part of our thinking of personnel was that a certain fairly high percentage of certain types of permits were all going to be done electronically and essentially without a whole lot of human intervention. And, and unfortunately that hasn't happened. And so we've still had to have the people to, to take those in and, and go ahead and issue them. Um, so, um, you know, that's, that's been a, it, it has been frustrating and that's a, a polite word. Great minds think alike. Um, wanted to point out about uh, non-conforming lots, small lots, and the process there, because I know that's, even from the planning commission time to now, that's a bit of a challenge. I was hoping with the, the new formed elements in the zoning code that that would expedite some of that, but I understand there continues to be a backlog of working with the city's architect on that. Could you give us an update on that? We're, we're, we have a solution and we're, we're diligently pursuing that solution. Now, what has happened is um, very, very few of the non-conforming lot situations now go to the Planning Commission and, and here to City Council. In the past, uh, there were a number, quite a few that were doing that. So we, we are, you know, that, that part of the process, I think we solved with the new zoning ordinance. Now what we have to do is um, get a, an understanding of what it is we're reviewing to what end. Um, and that, I think, we are getting very close to um, a, a resolution. Okay, Mr. Thomas, another one? Okay. Um, Short-term rentals. Are we going to have something up soon on our, I don't know if we'll be planning, who's going to be owning that? I assumed it was planning. planning um, it's planning and the city attorney working city attorney's office working together. Um, uh, yes, we, you know, we, we would have liked to have believed we would have been up by now, um, but we have run into some, some issues where, you know, in essence, we can't get out of our own way. And we are, are I think we've almost got those solved. And so we should be able to, um, we have a bid out on the street right now. Um, so we should be able to, to have something 
sooner rather than later, although I will tell you that, that we should have already had it. Is it reasonable to expect that before the sort of summer beach season? Yes. So ideally by Well, let's just say we will, have, March. We, will have, we will have it in place whether or not we're fully facile with using the system and understanding it. Um, that there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for for us here, but um, we we will the, we believe the system will be in place before the the summer season. And just to confirm, if somebody has a if somebody has a property that they want to utilize as a short term rental currently, even though there's not a system in place that's you know web based, can somebody call the planning department and get signed up for that? Yes, yes, we're we're you know we are. Doing it, even though we don't have the automation um, that that will help us. And is there something on the city website that reflects that they can do that, and how how and who they need to call? I don't know the answer to that. I will find out. Confirm that we put something up there soon, just as a placeholder. I think I think we've been working on it, but again, it's you know we're we know what the end is in mind, and sometimes the intermediate steps were were. I have no more difficult questions. All right, Mr. Thomas to Mr. Riddick. Thank you. Um, George, we were talking earlier, you were explaining the site plan review process. Don't we also have an optional process for applicants to go through? It's kind of a pre-meeting so they can get some insight into what they may be up against before they spend too much money or time. That's one of the zoning ordinance changes I think we worked on. Yeah, so some of it's optional, some of it is mandatory. Um, so the mandatory component now is before Anybody can submit something that goes into the public arena through the legislative process. Um, they have to have they have to have met either with the Civic League or conducted a community meeting um, before the application um, comes in the door. Um, so the the point of which is that that way the community around gets to have an opportunity to talk about it with the developer before the developer has spent a huge amount of money committing to a particular plan or a particular design. Um, and, you know, at the one end, they find out everything's great and everybody loves it. On the other end, they find out, you know, this is going to be a really tough slog and maybe that gives them the decision, maybe, uh, gives them a decision point to just not go forward with it. Um, so that's, that is a mandatory component. Um, there is, every time we take in an application, we recommend a pre-application hearing. Um, so for a site plan, um, we recommend that before somebody submits a site plan, they come to that meeting that occurs every Friday or every Wednesday morning on the, uh, the fifth floor um, and bring it because all of the, the various components of the city who review site plans are sitting there around the room um, and everybody can, can provide information at that point. Um, about what is being proposed and the things that, that folks need to think about. Um, so, yes, we have that. Um, and then there's the, the Friday transportation meeting um, where you can go and I guess it's now transit meeting where you can go and find out about, um, you know, the, the various transportation and right-of-way issues um, that you may be facing with a particular plan or, or just a concept. You don't have to have anything, you know, you don't have to f have a formal plan. Say, hey, I'd like to, at this corner, I'd like to do this. And we can give guidance and, and help people know, A, whether it's feasible, and B, um, what the kind of requirements are they might be facing. Sorry, quick question. Could I ask? 
So then at that meeting that happens on Friday, how does the person who may be representing public works, is there, are there minutes taken or something done that then gets transferred to the person who's actually going to be the one who ends up signing off on that recommendation? And maybe that's where the disconnect is. There may be somebody sitting at that meeting, like you said, that has one lens of looking at it gives the developer an idea that this is the direction you should go in. They're building their plan off of that. And then when they go to do the, the submittal, it goes to somebody else's desk who has a different <coughs> look at that and says, oh, no, 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 you now need to do this, this, and this. Or I know that's not correct. You need to do this. And they've already asked their you know, uh, contractors to price out what it would be. And so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm... Maybe it's George much smaller than that. No, I don't know. No, you're, you're spot on. It's it's what we should be doing, and and sometimes do, but not all the time. We we have a we we have a a you know a plan management system where we should be able to capture some notes on um, what the discussion was and what the things were that that somebody was told needed to be done, um, and so it just stays in the system. We should be able to do that. We're not 100% doing that, it, and we, you know, we got to fix it. We know we have to fix it, and we're we're going to. Mr. Riddick, George, I've been having uh, complaints or concerns about the small builder who have difficult difficulty getting gym lots, uh, and the gym lots you're supposed to be able to go down and, and not gym lot, the uh, I guess you'd say uh, the smaller lots that are not conforming to <coughs> my gym lots. You can go and get a, a plan, you know, to build. But there's a there seems to be a log jam. I was talking to Doug about it, um, and he was supposed to, you know, give me somebody. I think that person that uh, he's supposed to give me is Dan Richmond as our uh, legislative person. I think I mentioned that. So what's the, you know, what's the magic key to unlock it? We need money. We need housing. So what's the magic key to so, so are you asking about lots that we own? All right, yes, so we're going we're to talk to you some at, at the retreat. We're going to, about real estate and how we're going to manage that process, if you don't mind holding right. that, because okay. we've heard you, but I'll give you some more detail on that. Should we got another one? No, I think that's it. Okay, Ms. Right. Johnson. Um, George, my questions are, number one, um, what Vice Mayor was discussing, where there are opportunities for the developer to come to um, the pre-screening or whatever to find out um, what are um, optional. Um, do you track whether or not, based on applications, if they do come to some of these meetings or it's not, there's no data that you can so, say, um, Mrs. Johnson, there were um, opportunity meetings um, that were presented and didn't see you there, or a, a reminder to them about these optional meetings. Okay, so I, I will say, Mrs. Johnson, I've never seen you at one of our, our Wednesday morning meetings, but okay. uh, no, <laughs> um, no, seriously, um, yes, we in in the planning files. If they've met either with the planning staff, um, a one-on-one -on -one meeting, or have come to one of the meetings, yes, that's absolutely noted in in the file. We know that. What we don't know and I'm, I'm hoping that our, our open data system will somehow help us, is to find out how much time that saves 
the total process by coming to the pre-application meeting and having that conversation. I mean, I'd love to have those data points so that we can say to people, hey, you know, it, it does matter. My next question is, based on the data, the data, open data, you mentioned about the vendor and that it has taken three years. Can you say something about three years? My question is, if we're the city of Norfolk and we're hiring someone to do a job for us, why has it taken three years for us to get to this point that your department and various departments in the city can do their job? May I answer that honestly, sir? I wish you would. <laughs> so I hope you would. The, the, answer, the answer, quite frankly, is that we often buy what we can afford, not what we need. Okay. Thank you. All right. Mr. Johnson, Mr. Riddick had one that was great for you. Yeah, I don't know Mr. Riddick, Mr. Mr. Riddick. Later on, when we have our council discussion, and it comes to your department, George, code enforcement, and occupancy permit programs. That's now in neighborhood development, sir. It's now in neighborhood development? Yes, sir. Ready got another one? No, I'll talk about it. I'll okay. ask about it when we come back. Okay. Uh, you know. All right, Ms. Gray. Um, I just want to say on a positive note that um, I appreciate working with your department on um, anywhere from my own real estate issues to other development issues. Um, and they've been very helpful anytime I've had to refer someone to members of your department um, to get an answer to a question or to help to walk someone through something that may have been a bit of a challenging situation. Um, they've been very, very helpful and the personal customer service um, from um, most of the members in, in your department um, has been really nice. It's, it's, it's been, in my opinion, reflective of um, what I like to see from the city of Norfolk um, to residents and to developers and builders and them trying to be helpful. So thank you for that. Customer service is a big deal for me. And so I appreciate, I'm, I know that that starts, all, all of these attitudes start at the head. And so if the head attitude is great, then usually it rolls downhill and everybody else's attitude is great. So thank you for that. George, that's a compliment. You have response. You can say thank you. And we have you back for council concerns. These next few slides will be what is more what you'll see each month, right? So we kind of give you the backstory there, and I know a lot of those things were pent up that y'all had one that conversation about, but really as he steps forward uh, on these first Tuesdays, it'll be, hey, what are the hot items and what are some other issues coming your way? So if you want to run through those. Do you want me to run through them? I mean, I'm, I'm well past the, the timeline, so. You are. So if there's if there's something on that list that um, you feel like this group needs to hear about. And Mr. Manager, we'll have them in front of us as well. Right, thank you. So, so, so again, if there's something that we just need to hear, please go right on. Yeah, so not, we'll let me just later. real quick mention a couple of them. So the first one there is Annette Stone, um, whom you all are very familiar with. Um, and she has been looking for a location to um, reestablish um, the, the business that, that she had um, in Five Points. Um, we haven't found, she hasn't found, and we, we've been working with her, um, economic development's been working with her. We haven't found the perfect spot yet. Um, we, at the moment, it looks like um, the one that's the most promising is on 25th Street, um, and um, 
So we will continue to let you know. But I know you all may have thought that this was already going to be um, on an agenda for y'all, but um, it just we're trying to find the, the right place. Um, and so we're all working together to, to, to help that out. Um, there is a, um, there's a, a conditional use permit request that has been submitted to um, establish a convenience store across the street from the former Merrimack Market. Um, I will tell you that um, staff is opposing that. Um, and you know, if we're going to spend city money to remove a convenience store um, because it's not the appropriate land use, we're certainly not going to recommend approval of establishing that land use right across the street. Um, there's a couple of street realignments um, that at Bluestone you all are very familiar with, um, and that's, that's to facilitate the stadium. Just again to repeat, they're not closing the road. There will still be a road there, um, but it's just going to um, be the, the right-of-way is going to be shifted um, to accommodate the stadium. Um, there, we've been working since 2016 or 2017, I can't recall which, um, on the, the Coca-Cola and the, the Brightleaf area, um, doing a few street closures to give Coca-Cola essentially a compound um, where they can um, load trucks and, and whatever on, on property um, and, and to help separate the Coca-Cola traffic from the, the residential traffic. Wait, Monument Street, up around the 21st, 22nd Street? No, well, the Monument is, yeah, the, monu the, the Brightleaf building was, out, was done eventually by Monument. Um, it's right there at the railroad tracks and um, 22nd Street. Um, so it's, it's not Monument Street, but it's street closures for Coca-Cola and, and the Monument development. But it's right, yes, right there on the, the east side of uh, Monticello, right just south of the, the railroad track. Um, and then lastly, I'll mention that the, the former M-Star Motel, um, shown here as East, East, Beach, Beach, East Beach Living. Um, that is a project that um, the Civic League likes. Um, it's 96 um, residential units. Um, it is on hold because the city paid to demolish the former M-Star, and by our, our procedures and process written right into code, we cannot accept um, an application until they have settled their debt with the city. So that's why that is, is on hold um, at, at the moment. $270,000, is that one? Uh, yes. Bobby, yeah, do you know what the number is? So coming up in the future, just real quick, um, we've been working with Colonial Place Riverview um, on creating a neighborhood resilience overlay. Um, you may recall that's the... the Thing we put into the new zoning ordinance that allows neighborhoods to begin to customize slightly the, um, the, the form standards for their particular neighborhood. And um, as you know, we have basic form standards that apply everywhere in the city uh, based on character district. Um, and this allows neighborhoods to, to tweak those um, to reflect the unique character of those neighborhoods. In a 400-year-old city, not everything looks the same. Um, and a lot of neighborhoods have unique characters, and this is the opportunity um, to, to work on that. So we've been working on that. Uh, Matt Simons is, is the lead on that. And um, so we're very close to um, coming together with them to bring a recommendation to First Planning Commission 
um, and then to y'all for um, a, a unique neighborhood resilience overlay um, in Colonial Place and, and Riverview. Um, we're going out uh, with Mrs. Graves on the 4th of March to uh, River Forest Shores, Wayside Manor, Easton Place um, to their board. That's um, right near Curlew Drive where the, uh, um, the, the Franklin Johnston um, multifamily proposal you all managed to talk about and, and here talked about at length last week. Um, so we're going out to, uh, to talk to them um, about, you know, what, what kind of a plan can we do for that with that neighborhood um, and how can they think about, you know, their future and, and whatever their vision is. Um, Mr. Smeagles asked us to come out and do a um, discussion with the, the civic, leads, le civic leagues and, and residents about Greenies um, and what the future of that site could be um, in Ocean View. And so we're doing that on the 11th of March. Um, we've been working now for a little over a year on developing a commercial pattern book. Um, quite frankly, it's been a much bigger challenge than we ever thought it was going to be. And part of the challenge has been finding a way to get effective input from the communities that are most potentially most impacted by it. So we're, we're, we've got some meetings scheduled um, with the development community um, to try to, to help them help us um, to, to make that right. So we're probably, you know, sometime summer, um, early fall, um, getting that to y'all. And then finally, Ms. Graves. Are these when you're talking about the commercial meetings and, you know, things of that nature, how are you all, I mean, we talk a lot about marketing these meetings and social media and things of that nature. How are you all getting, you're saying that you're having trouble getting input from residents, business community members or whatever. How are you, what are you doing to get so in this in this case, what we try to do is we try to go to other people's meetings. So hurrah, HR Acre, um, TBA, ULI, you know, use their meetings um, and and allow us to come and do a presentation um, and and get feedback either instantly or let them think about it and and provide something to us. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about. Um, rezoning that is coming to you real soon. It is um, the downtown St. Paul's district that's being created. Like the TOD that we talked about last week, it is a floating zone. So the idea is we're going to create it as a district, but not apply it to any particular piece of property. It'll allow people to come and ask for it. Um, and it's the, the sole purpose is to facilitate um, the redevelopment of, of St. Paul's, which means that y'all are going to get to see every single piece will come to you all for the rezoning before it ever happens. This is a way to, to, to help manage that process and make sure that it stays on track and is um, that which you uh, believe it should be through your visioning process. But where is that coming from, George? I mean, you haven't done any demolition. So where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? It, it was, it was the, the application was sponsored no, by the planning commission. Go back to the, the slide you had. You know, the fact that you want to, you want to, uh, you say people can come in and ask for, you know, different pieces. But you haven't done any demolition. So, I mean, you know. So it's it's way too soon for anybody to be asking for, although there is a, a, a parcel 
that is um, up by the, um, the, the downtown um, Norfolk Transportation Center that will soon, pro soon after this is adopted, <laughs> will probably come and, and um, request a rezoning to facilitate the development of uh, an elderly um, project um, or a project targeted at elderly populations on that site. Just like the TOD idea, right? Just like the TOD. It's a so floating zone. establish the amendment. Right. Establish the text and then the, zone, the zoning district exists and people who need it can come and ask to apply. Now, the area that's green, that's the limit of area currently where we're contemplating that it can be applied. Uh, but that may extend north of Brambleton at some point in the future. Well, my concern, uh, and I'm sure around this table they know, is, is that the same groups are coming in, swallowing up the land, and minorities and other groups are not getting a chance to play or enjoy the success of this project. And so somehow, you know, you can't, well, not you can't, but somehow we need to slow this thing down to make sure that the same old players don't come in, gobble up all the land, whether it's for the uh, this tax credit you're going to get, things of that nature. Uh, to give uh, the smaller guy a chance to get a part of this project. So we're going to talk to you at your request at the retreat and tell you sort of the, the community process we've gone through that is um, encouraging uh, small business owners, small developers, small contractors to come in and get a piece of this, as well as um, the things we're doing in Chesterfield Heights. So we've heard you. And I think Mrs. Graves has done a great job of unpacking that very point, that although uh, just with the CNI, that the developer is likely to be Grinshaw out of Chicago. I think Ms. Graves has done a great job unpacking that the contractors that will actually, uh, that could very well uh, provide most of, if not all of the, the services and work, could very well be from the community and very well could be women, uh, minority owned African Americans. Uh, Veterans, and I think Ms. Gray's been able to speak directly to that. I mean, point. we're working, I'm working with the staff in terms of outlining a process for our minority contractors, um, Class A builders, BEC builders, as well as um, our handy people, those that are not skilled laborers, um, to be able to be a part of the building of this process. And I've spoken to um, the Brinshaw folks. I've also spoken to um, the local connection um, here in, in Norfolk or in the beach um, about making sure that we have, you know, opportunities for our minority developers. And so anybody that's qualified who has the credentials, who has the financing, who has qualifications, um, and even those who may be unskilled laborers will be able to get have an opportunity to, you know, work on this project. Bonding and insurance are two things that uh, that are sometimes an impediment for small uh, contractors. When HRT did light rate, <coughs> they created. I guess you'd say an umbrella that allowed this small and minority contractor to be a part of the bonding and the insurance. And so these are some of the things that need to be put into place if we wanted to work. 
Right. Um, so, I get, and, 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 and also, I mean, like, but your Class A builders have to have insurance. That is a requirement. And your Class B builders have to have insurance as well. And that is a requirement. That's by the state. That has nothing to do with that. The Class C people just, I mean, they don't have to, they don't have to meet the same requirements. Um, the bonding piece, I agree with Mr. Riddick. I think that there should be a way for us to work with them if there is a bond required that we should be able to work with them in order to help facilitate that piece. All right, so Mayor, with y'all's permission, I'm gonna uh, move Jeremy to the March meeting on the zoning. It's really just zoning ordinance has been in place for a year. It's a conversation we wanna have, I think in the interest of time, um, Jeremy's gonna get bumped. And, um, but um, uh, Janice Hurley is gonna talk to you about, uh, because it's time, but we kind of, I think on the February 26th agenda, right? For the committee to stand yes. the committee, yeah. So we need we need to have this. This will be the last time you have a conversation before that. So we want to give you a chance to talk about the census. Okay, good evening. Um, I just wanted to mention that I brought with me Kevin Grigsby, who's sitting in the back, and he works for the Census Bureau as our regional partnership specialist. Kevin, you got to raise your hand higher. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit about the background of the census. Um, census 2020 is a census of population and housing with a goal to count everyone once, only once, and in the right place. Uh, it is required by the Constitution. It's decennial, which means it's once every 10 years. And generally, there are 10 questions on this census. So it will be asking of every citizen, every person in the country, their age, their race, their Hispanic origin, their household relationship, their gender, and in their housing unit, whether they own or whether they rent. And I just wanted to mention that this census will be the first one that goes beyond mail out, mail back, so people will have the opportunity to respond over the internet and over the telephone as well, so that's, that's new. Online applications or online, um, did, did they get something in the mail that has like maybe a special code and yes. then they have to enter as a special code? And Correct. All that. It will be barcoded. Okay. Um, 